What a great beginning to the service. Um, we're in our series called Proclaim, and actually today's going to be the last day. It's been a really fast series, and uh, I'm not used to that. Uh, but I feel like we've said what we've needed to say, and I'm going to tie this up today with, with a very important message. You know, week one, we talked about proclaiming is our purpose as a Christian. It's what we are supposed to do. Jesus commanded us to do it uh, right before he ascended into heaven. We looked at how great the work is and how many people are out there that don't know Jesus, that don't know the love of God, that are headed to an eternity away from God. And the stakes are are very high because of that. So, uh, you know, it's our purpose. And then week two, uh, Travis taught us that we Proclaim the good news by sharing our story. You know, sometimes it's intimidating. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to tell others. Uh, well, we simply tell others how Jesus affected our lives and what he did for you and, and me. And that's a very powerful story to share. And then last week we looked at sharing God's word, sharing the Bible. And, you know, I, th- I feel like we here at Community Heights, we do a pretty good job of that. Um, I think we need to maybe allow it to trickle over more outside of church, though. You know what I mean? Uh, in our daily lives, in where we spend most of our, our time outside of this place, we share God's Word. It's powerful. It's living. It's active. And as we saw last week, it's working in the lives of others already. And so we just need to meet God where He's already working. And this series really came off, a, off an idea. Um, I was reading a book called Share Jesus Without Fear, and it really just gave the top reasons why people don't share their faith. And so I thought, well, that'd be neat to kind of walk through as a series. And so these are valid reasons that people don't share their faith. And today we're going to be looking at, I don't know what to do. You know, that might surprise some of you. You know, I, I don't know what to do. Do I come to church? Do I? Is that it? You know, do I start making a checklist and doing things like that? And so that's what we're going to be addressing today, and uh, here's the big truth for today. Your life is meant to influence the world. Your life is meant to influence the world. That's what you are to do. Your life is about proclaiming. Here's the thing. Too many times, the world has an influence on our life. Do you see that? It's backwards. It's opposite of what it should be. Our lives are to influence the world, you see. The way we live each and every day out there, not in here. You know, I appreciate every volunteer. I appreciate all the servants that we have, all the givers that make things happen here each and every Sunday. But out there is how you influence the world. Proclaim the good news through our lives, and in the process, we change the world now I don't know about that you might say I'm not too sure about that I, I, I prefer to keep to myself I'm pretty private I'm introverted um, that's that's a lot of pressure on me that I really didn't want or wasn't expecting you know, I've tried this before and it it didn't work out too well right somebody else can do it. There's somebody else that can live a better life than, than me. Those are all responses. Many Christians feel like that, feel this way. 
But there are many reasons that your life as a Christian should be one of influence. Many reasons. First of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ should change you. It should. If you read in Scripture and you read about people encountering Jesus, they're never the same. They are changed, and many of them run away that very moment, dancing, leaping, shouting for joy, telling others their lives are drastically changed because they met Jesus. Our life should be the same. Secondly, we should be different because God's Spirit, God's Word teaches us that God's Spirit lives inside of every believer. All right, God's Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, we know that God is a world changer. Here's the thing. You have a world changer living inside of you. So when you, when you pull back, when you isolate yourself, there's going to be a tension there because you've got God wanting, wanting you to step out, wanting you to reach out, you see. And thirdly, and this is what we'll focus on today, God constantly tells us in his word that our lives are to influence the world. It's there time and time and time again. The Bible is filled with instructions telling us to use our lives to represent Christ, not only as worship to him, right, as a pleasing sacrifice to God, but also as a uh, witness to others. Have you ever heard the phrase, your life is a living testimony? Your life is meant to influence the world. That sounds like a huge task, doesn't it? If, if I were to counsel a, a new Christian, well, here's the purpose for your life. Your, your life is to influence the world. That would sound very intimidating to them, wouldn't it? It sounds huge because it is huge. It's big. The influence of your life on someone else could have an eternal impact. That's how big it is. That's how important it is. So how do we go about doing that? How do we go about influencing the world? Well, today we're going to look at a message from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus was an amazing pre- preacher, right? He's the Lord, but he, he had a way of communicating down here at our level, even though his home is in the heavens, you see. Matthew 5, the great sermon on the, on the mount. In this sermon, Jesus tells his followers what is expected of them. He tells Christians how to influence the world, and he does so by comparing Christians to two things. Two things, salt and light. Salt and light. Jesus was great at getting his point across. Now, these aren't parables. Jesus taught in those two. These are metaphors. So uh, Jesus is really getting his point, point across. He's finding ways to reach people to where they would understand and he said you know what it looks like to be in my kingdom you want to you want to know what it looks like to follow me to make a difference in this world well your salt and light um first i just want to start off by saying this and we'll look at this together we'll break them up you are salt you are salt now, we are familiar with this. We're familiar with salt. Everybody knows what salt is. We use it each and every day. It's in things that we eat. It's in things that we drink, too. So salt is a major part of our lives. 
the people in Jesus' day knew about salt too, and it was just as important to them, probably more important to them. So they would, they would have understood what Jesus was saying. So let's look at this together. Matthew five thirteen, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now no, notice something here. Notice he didn't say be salt. He didn't say, you know, do your best to be salt, to try to, you know, make every effort to be salt. No, he said you are salt. That's, that's what you are. Uh, our bodies are made up of salt. Did you know that? We are made up of 0.4% salt. You might say, ooh, that's big deal, right? Listen, a 100-pound person, that means you have 40 teaspoons of salt within you right now. 200-pound um, person, some of us are, are there. 80 um, teaspoons you know what okay for those of you that make cookies and stuff like that you know from scratch you know what a teaspoon is 80 of those inside the body is that what Jesus meant when he said you are salt no the salt of what salt salt of the earth well what does that mean well it doesn't mean the ground right it means people he's referring to people you are the salt of the people that live on earth. Now, here's the thing. Salt serves a purpose. It serves a, a very important purpose. And if it doesn't fulfill that purpose, it is really of little use at all. It's not purposeful. And if it's not fulfilling its purpose, it's thrown out. Right? And I've heard this explained over the years. Well, if you're not doing this, then God's going to throw you out and step on you, right? I mean, it's been preached to us like that, but that's not what this is saying. That's actually a purpose too. You see, they would take the salt that lost its saltiness and they would throw it out on the, on the streets so the grass wouldn't grow. You see, it still served a purpose, but its primary purpose, its, its main purpose wasn't being met. So it was given the lower level purpose of being thrown out on the street, you see. Well, what is the purpose of salt? Well, two things. Salt preserves. And these aren't up here. You just might want to either agree with me or write it down. Salt preserves. It's a preservative. It kept things from going bad, from spoiling. It kept bacteria from spoiling the meat, right? We know this. It, it kept things from decaying. Before refrigeration... It, and all that that we're familiar with today, this is what was, what was used. And Jesus said, you are that. You are the salt of the earth. It's the earth that needs salt. The people, people of earth need to be preserved. That's what Jesus is saying. They need to be preserved. They need to be saved. Well, for how long? You know, how, how long? What's the process there? Well, for eternity. Forever. Since salt preserves, it's interesting. If you read about salt in the Bible, just do a word search. Most of the time it's connected with longevity. 
It, it's linked to eternity. Let me show you. Second Chronicles 13.5. Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? You see, salt represented longevity and, and eternity. And so what Jesus, when Jesus says you are salt, he's saying you are preservative of the earth forever. As Christians, we are a preservative. We are an enemy of decay in this world. We have within us the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you know this or not. You may not realize that, but through that message, you have been preserved for eternity. Okay? That's a covenant of salt between you and God, preserved for eternity. And now that we have been preserved, we are a preservative to the world, to make a difference, to preserve others for eternity. So salt is a preservative. Second thing that salt is, is it flavors. Flavors, right? This is, this is the part that we are most familiar with in our day. We put salt on things for flavor. Some of you put salt on everything. You know who they are. You know who you are. Every dinner, where's the salt? You know, you're looking for it. Your dinner cannot be complete without the salt shaker, right? Um, salt flavors, it make things, makes things taste good. I went to a Richlands baseball game uh, last week. First time I'd, you know, been to a baseball game over there and ordered a bag of popcorn. And I got a bag of salt with, uh, <laughs> with, with some popcorn in it. <laughs> but... Um, we, we add salt to things that enhance the taste. Man, garden tomatoes, I love them. Put a little bit of salt on them, on them even better. Fresh watermelon, I love it. Put a little bit of salt on it, whoa, even better. Great. Garden green beans, man. What are we having tonight? I think we, I think we are having green beans. But, you, you know, you add salt to those things, it makes something good even, even better. Look, all right, so listen. As Christians, our lives need to show the world that what we have is even better than what they have. Do you hear me? What we have is good. Our relationship with Jesus is the best thing in the world. Are we showing that to others Here's what the world thinks. You win the lottery, that's good, right? You have a successful career, that's good. You have a family that stays together, that's good. You have kids that aren't killing each other, that's good. The world has its own idea of what good, good is, but a relationship with Jesus should be seen as the best thing in the world. Are we showing the world that? All too often, the world gets a bad taste, pun intended, bad taste in their mouth because of the way Christians live. We have too many bitter Christians. Pun intended. We, we have too many angry Christians. Why? We have too many forgiven Christians that are unforgiving. The world is filled with Christians that don't act like Christ. Why is that? Uh, Gandhi said this. He said, I like 
Christ, but I don't like Christians. How tragic. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Here's how we should look at our life. Be wise. In other words, think, really. Think. Be wise in the way you act. We could say live towards outsiders, people that aren't of the faith, people that aren't saved. You be wise in the way that you act, the way that you behave toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In other words, the stakes are high. The work is great. This is your purpose. Every opportunity is ordained by God for you to make a difference. You make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always, always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, People notice how we act. People notice how we respond in certain situations, how we live life in general, how we handle success, how we handle failure, how we handle arguments, how we handle uncertainty, how we handle anger. They notice all those things. Are we making Christ look appealing to outsiders? Are we making a life with Jesus seem good to others? Do others look at our lives and say, I want what they have? That's, that's the way it should be. That's the way the early church was. You can read it right there. Everybody wanted what they had because they were different. Look at this, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That should be the testimony of our lives. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We make God taste good. We're supposed to anyway. We are to show that life with Jesus is far better than life without Jesus. Shouldn't even be close. He says, you are salt. You're a preservative and you are to season. And Jesus went on to compare Christians to something else and, and you are light. So you are salt and you are light. So just like salt is something that we are familiar with, light is something we are familiar with too. It's very important to us. We use it each and every day. He says this in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. So here again, it's not the idea that we be light. He says you are light. You're, if you're a Christian, you are light already. And instead of the earth, he says world, but it has the same meaning. It's the people of the world. It's the people of earth. You might say, well, hold up. I'm pretty sure in the Bible it says Jesus is the light. I thought he was the light of the world. Well, you're right. He does th say that. And he, he said that while he was here, while his body was here. And in a way... His body is still here. You know, what's the church referred to? 
body of Christ. You see, the light of the world is still here because the church is here. Christ is with us. We are called the body of Christ, so we are the light of the world. Look at Ephesians 5.8. I like this language here because it talks about makeup. It talks about being. It talks about who you were and who you are. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And because of that very reason, live as children of light. You know, we are to live as children of light because we are light. You know, I just, I thought about this this morning. A flashlight's purpose is to flash light. Why? Because that's what it's called. Isn't that good? Look, it's one of those things where its purpose is, is in what its name is. Flash light is its purpose because it's a flash light. Follow me. Come on. Stay with me. Christians are to live as light. Why? Because that's what you are. You are. You are a light. Just like salt has two main purposes, light has two main purposes as well. First of all, light illuminates. We, we know that. Light stands out. It shines one thing about light is that it can be seen. We can see it. It's visible. And what it does is it illuminates the darkness all around it. Now, I don't have to tell, tell you this to get you to understand and believe it. A lot of you tell me this, actually. It's backwards. The world is dark. What's going on in the world... It's the worst it's ever been. It's dark. It's tragic. There's just darkness everywhere, and it seems that way. I know. You probably heard about the guy who stayed up in the night, in the darkness all night, looking for the sun. It finally dawned on him. You know how hard it was to do that with a straight face? I might not have had a straight face, but I tried. I'm terrible at poker. So darkness, think about that. We know what darkness is. We know what light is. You are the light of the world, and light needs to stand out in order to be seen. We can follow this logic pretty easily. Philippians 16, do everything without grumbling or arguing, wow. We, some of us just need to stop right there. And just, okay, Lord, help me with this. Your word tells me this. I need some help here. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault. Look at how Paul described the world then. In a warped and crooked generation right we we say stuff like that all the time the world is dark you know we are to 
be different. And then look at this. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love going outside when it's clear at night and looking at stars and just really worshiping God in those moments and just being in, in awe of him and wondering what it's like out there. Stars twinkling and standing out and on really crystal clear nights you can tell differences in color and, and size and things like that. That's how clear our lives are supposed to be in a dark world. I did a terrible job at this in my late teens and early 20s. Terrible. I was a Christian and had friends and should have been the influence to them. Instead, you know, they influenced me and I lived my life horrible. I didn't shine out among them at all. I blended in, in with them. I covered my basket. You know, I covered my lamp. You know, it's, we don't have to generate the light because we are light because of Christ. Our job is to simply take the baskets off, right, so that our light can be seen. We are to stand out, to be visible, not covered. The, the language in this is amazing. He says, we are a city on a hill. We are a lamp on a stand, and both of those refer to being elevated when you, when you read about that. To burn bright, to be seen in the midst of darkness. Light shines, it stands out, it illuminates what is around it. So, second thing that light does is it guides. Light guides, it directs. I immediately thought about a lighthouse in this, you know, and, and lighthouses are used to warn ships and sailors that, you know, you're getting pretty close. You need to pay attention and maybe go a different route. It, it, it warns others, and we need to be that type of light too. Um, but light also does this. It, it brings towards, and I thought about uh, airport runways and stuff like that. I really hate flying. Okay, I... It, <laughs> It bothers me really bad. But when I have to fly, I prefer flying at night. Um, because what I do is I pretend I'm on a bus. <laughs> I know that's, look, I'm serious about that, by the way. Because you can't see outside, I'm just, yeah, I'm on a bus. Yeah. It helps me, okay? Um, but when you're when you're flying at night and you're wondering how how they're going to land this thing right and then you you prepare for landing and you see this this massive runway with lights and they're doing different things like that and there may even be arrows like this plain as day and you're just like that is amazing they just follow the lights they look and they focus on the light and they land in safety you know, our lives are to be that type of light as well to where we're pointing to safety. We're pointing to salvation. We're pointing to Christ. Um, you are a light to guide others to Christ. Matthew five sixteen. in the same way, look at this. Let your light shine before others that they may see 
see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the point. You know, just a couple weeks ago, and I'm telling you this story in confidence. I'm not going to mention any names, but, and I really don't want it to sound like I am uh, tooting my own horn. I wanted to share this with you. We have a lot of people contact the church for, for help and different things like that, and it happens a lot. A lot. At least once a week, there's somebody stopping by or calling the church, and, you know, we try to help them when we can. But what I've noticed over the years, and I've been here a while, um, is that there are a lot of people that try to take advantage of churches. There's a lot of repeated people. And I'm the type of person that will harden up pretty quick and um, say, you know, no, you're just here last month. You know, can't, can't do that. I can't help you. Well, anyway, got a call from a lady in Lebanon. My first inclination was like, you're in Lebanon. This is Richlands. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do first, okay? Just letting you know, just exposing my, myself to you. Um, she said that I'm uh, homeless, and uh, my fiancé, we're, we're both homeless, and we're scared. We don't know what to do. She said we've called around every church in Lebanon, and nobody wants to help. Nobody can help us. And so, uh, you know, I talked to her. At first, I thought it was, um, didn't think it was genuine, but then I started talking to her. And usually people ask you for money. She was just asking, asking for a place to stay. And so I worked, I made a, a few phone calls, uh, People's Incorporated and uh, a, a couple of different apartment, government housing down in Lebanon and stuff like that. Well, anyway, there wasn't anything, there's no shelters, all right? There's no homeless shelters locally where people can go. And after talking with, with uh, you know, a guy from the church, um, decided to go down there and meet with him. And so I left here and and spent probably half a day with them. Went and drove down and met with them. And anyway, got them a hotel for a week. And uh, gave them some money to, to buy groceries. Now, was that the right thing to do? I don't know. I felt like it was. You know, she emailed me and said, you don't know how much you've blessed us. We've looked everywhere we've called churches and you've been the only one that have helped us she said I thank God for you now I don't know if they will ever become Christians I shared the gospel with them they were in my car I went and picked them up and so you are my captive audience you are mine for the moment so I shared the gospel with them. I was like, look, you know you guys are supposed to be married. You're living together. I'd even thought about um, getting on two different rooms, and I thought, they'll just end up in the same room anyway. I'm just going to save a little bit of money. No, I... <laughs> but um, the point is, that's not that I don't want that to reflect me. I want, that shows you the struggle that I have, the struggles that we all have, and the need that is out there, and are we being a light when other churches are saying, 
No, other churches are putting a basket over their heads. What are we doing here? We are not to judge anyone. We are not the judge. Christ is the judge. We are salt and we are light. The purpose isn't to honor ourselves, to bring glory to ourselves, but the purpose is to stand out so that we can lead others to God. Let's do that. The wrong, the wrong heart says, look at me. The right heart says, look at God. You see, as a Christian, there is more to your life than what you may think. You are so important to the work of the Lord. You are a tool. You are an instrument. You have a purpose. You are valuable to God because your life is meant to influence the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Listen, I'm closing now. Are we fulfilling our purpose? Are you fulfilling your purpose? I say you here. I usually say we. But Jesus says you. Like I, so, so let's make it personal. I'm not adding anything to what he said. He said it. Are you fulfilling your purpose of being salt and light? Let me ask you this. Why do you work where you work? I know things get tough. I know sometimes it feels like there's darkness all around you. Sometimes you feel like giving up. Sometimes you wonder why you're here. Sometimes you spend all your time looking for another job. Why in the world do you work where you work? To be a light in a dark place. You might say, you have no idea how bad my job is. I mean, I work at a hospital. It's, there's tragedy all the time. There's nothing but bad news. Or I work at a prison and I'm just around this all the time. There's darkness all around me. Or I'm a teacher at a school or I'm a principal and I see all this going on. What do I do? Why am I here? You're there to be a light. You see, we need more lights in this world, in dark places. I just encourage you to, wherever you're at, wherever you work, wherever you live, God is sovereign, and God has you there for a reason. To be a light, to be salt. What activities are you involved in? Are you? Are you coaching? Are you volunteering? Are you serving on a board somewhere? You know, that's how we bring light into a dark world. That's how we influence the world with our lives, by making a difference, by being light in those situations. We need more Christians out there being salt and light. And through that, we can influence the world all to the glory of God. Amen? In your bulletin there, there's a section there that everybody ignores every week. <laughs> What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? That's going to be the challenge each and every week after each message. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? I want you to think about that. Whatever the Holy Spirit is to you, be obedient to that. Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your message this morning. Father, when we look at what you preached on that hillside, 
we see the purpose of Christians. We see that we are to be salt and light in this world. That we are to bring others to you. That we are to shine bright in a dark world. Father, we're thankful for your light reaching us and changing not only our lives now, but our eternal destiny. And you are the light of the world and your spirit lives in us and we are your body and so we are the light of the world. Help us to be faithful to that and obedient. Help us to make a difference with our lives wherever we're at. Whether we're volunteers, whether we're presidents of a company, CEOs, whether we're board members, whether we're school teachers, whether we're waitresses, waiters, managers, field technicians, utility workers, whatever. God, you have placed us where we're at for a reason, to be salt and to be light to those around us. Help us to have the courage to do that and to make a difference for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.